Hey, and welcome to Melanin Mode, a podcast for women of color by a woman of color. I'm Sydney, your host, and I'm ready to get real about blessings, BS, and brilliance of being us. Let's get started. So a lot has happened since the last time we talked. A lot. (laughs) I'm not even, I I don't even know where to start with this, but I got a special request from somebody I did not even know was listening um, because my virtual assistant just happened, hi Kay, (laughs) to tell me about it. And she's like, yeah, no. She was like, when are you going to post another episode? And I was like, wait, what? So on Monday, February 4th, Kay basically told me that during our meeting. I'm sitting here trying to focus on Dream On You stuff and Kay mentions that. And so I was like, I got to bring the podcast back. But the Babe is the Beast was just not like a fitting name. It felt off. It felt like it was fitness. Even the photo was kind of fitnessy and I felt like it was misleading. So I was like, nah, we're not going to do that. And I've been thinking about, if you guys know, I've started the UWC, which is a safe space for women of color. And I like have been having this battle with that name and like this podcast name. And I was, I texted Kay and I was like, what do you think about melanin mode? I said, I looked it up. Nobody has the name. I don't see it anywhere. Like, what would, how do you feel about that? She's like, ooh, I like. And so I bought the domain and here we are. <laughs> so where do I start? I'm going to say so a lot because this is episode, of course, is on the fly because you know how I do. I had this feeling of doing a episode on the Oreo effect. And I don't know how many women of color have had to deal with this, of being called an Oreo. I know that it's mostly a term used by black people to basically diminish how black somebody is, which sounds awful, but we have a lot of issues with colorism in the black community. I believe it's also in other uh, people of color communities as well, as far as like, you're not dark enough you're not light enough team light skin team dark skin it like honestly drives me crazy like absolutely crazy I remember watching a whole episode I don't remember how old I was with my mother about colorism and this girl like hating her skin like absolutely hating her skin she was black she wasn't like lightening her skin or bleaching it or anything but she hated black people like she was dark skin and hated black people and I I was baffled. Like, I did not understand. I think our skin is beautiful. I think dark skin especially is, like, gorgeous. And, of course, light skin especially is gorgeous, too. But, I mean, like, as far as because I hear so many dark women, like, light skin women are kind of, I'm light skin, so I would know, (laughs) Um, are kind of, like, held to this, like, weird standard where we're kind of fetishized even more oh, she's so light, so she's pretty, like, wait, what? Like, all black skin is beautiful, what are, what are you doing? Please stop. Um, so I always feel like, it almost feels like a need to overcompensate when it comes to dark-skinned women to be like, hey, like, you're beautiful, you're super gorgeous, too, but, like, they are. Have you seen, seen their skin? Like, sometimes I wish I just, like, had the, like, flawlessness of dark-skinned women because, honestly, like, their skin be flawless. Like, every dark-skinned woman I see is, like... Where's your pimples? Where's your acne? Like, what, what is happening? I feel disrespected. <laughs> You're going to hear me say that a lot about some things, but it's not a bad thing. So I love all women of color. I think we're all beautiful. Whether we have a ton of melanin, there are 
women of color, people of color who don't have any melanin. It sounds crazy, but sometimes you're born in like albino. It happens. And I still think they're absolutely beautiful too. But of course, melanin mode just sounded more powerful, more us, more like we're advocating for all women of color and not just a certain, um, you know, I love black women. I love that Latinas have their own thing. I love that the Asian American Girl Club, I don't know if you know about that, but if Asian girls, if you're listening, that's a thing. Like, I love that, but I feel like there's no space to connect us because people want to constantly, and I do mean constantly, divide us. And it breaks my heart. Um, I'm lucky enough to kind of be friends with a lot of different complexions and hair types and everything and it brings me so much joy like when we're all able to get together and there's some things that you know the women of color that are my friends like that we understand that my white friends will not understand and not ever have to experience that's just the realness of it um I grew up in a if you know a little bit about me if you don't I grew up in a military family, but the last place that we moved to that my like family currently still is in, majority of white people, white neighborhood, you know, cops kills me. <laughs> cops are constantly in that neighborhood, but not like in a bad way. Like, but I can remember, like I've lost count of how many times like we've seen the cops, and like it's not at our house, and we feel like we probably the only black people on the street. But, like, we'll be looking over at the apartment next to us, like, um, um, what's happening? And we're nosy, so, you know, we gonna look. <laughs> be, like, discreet about it, like, what's happening? Uh, who did it? What, what happened? Who done it? So, but I grew up in a school that was majority of their white kids, like, I don't know how to say it. And I'm gonna talk about the Oreo effect because... It's basically saying, well, you're black on the outside, but you're white on the inside. And the TED Talk I'm watching right now is by Zoe Walker, and she's at TED, um, TED Times Youth at Indianapolis. I haven't watched the whole thing. I literally got into about a minute and a half. I was like, I have to stop and record this episode because, yes, she just said us black on the outside, we're white on the inside, and I was like, yes, we have to talk about this because <laughs> I feel like black people do not are not the only ones who go through this. I guarantee you there's some other person of color, some other, like, I don't know if it's Indian or Latinas or Afro-Latinas. I don't know. <laughs> okay? Don't. Maybe it's Native American who've been told, well... Yeah, you're that color on the outside, but you're this on the inside. Like, white on the inside. Or you talk white. If you've heard that before, I'm so sorry because I've gone through most of my life hearing that. Um, Not lately, but it's happened. Most people can't figure out where I'm from, and I'm okay with that. But a problem becomes becomes when they're like, oh, you talk white. (sighs) So... What I grew up with, because I grew up in a predominantly white school, um, had a lot of white friends, like stuff like that, I always felt out of place. Like my family, my family is black. Like, like we're not mixed. Like we're black, and we like my grandparents on my dad's side are like in the church, like church every Sunday, like Bible study Wednesdays, like we're the, they're, they're that like. We, like, get together and have cookouts and, like, there's always dancing. Like, we are, like, stereotypical to that point. 
my mom's side of the family, like, uh, I'm trying to think of, like, the stereotypical things that my mom's side of the family does. Like, we own, I don't know if it's stereotypical or if this is just, like, funny to me because I, rem- I remember it so vividly. Like, we own chickens. Like, we have, I guess we have farm animals. I don't know if that's a black thing or if that's just, like, interesting to me because I was like, what? That might not be a black thing. It might just be, be me, like, remembering that and, like, being like, what? Who owns chickens? Like, what? <laughs> Like, why you own a bunch of chickens? Like, are you making... Probably because I'm thinking about, like, the fried chicken comment. It's probably because right now I'm reading The Hate You Give. If you've not read that book, like, I got into the first chapter, y'all. I didn't want to cry. Like, she didn't give me a second to, like, prepare myself. Like, I was not ready. And I just got past this part. I know why I'm thinking about fried chicken now. Because I got past the part where her white friend and the school that she goes to that is predominantly white made a fried chicken comment. How about like, I bet you if it was fried chicken, you would stay on it because they were playing basketball. Oh, oh, ma'am, ma'am. I I was so glad that she walked away because everything in me as a 28 year old was like, let me be that like age again. And somebody say something like off the wall like that and know what I know now. Like, excuse me. Like, we, we would have problems. Like, I, we can't be friends. I can't. Because <laughs> you will make me hurt you. <laughs> but not, like, hurt you, just, like, hurt you with my words. Because that's that's who I am. Like, I don't ever try to get into confrontations where it's, like, physical altercations. I'm the type, I don't know if this is bougie or not, but I'm the type to, like, look at you and be like, oh, so you want to be torn down. And I'm wearing my glasses right now, so I wish you could see this for effect and, like, lower my glasses and be like... Let us go into this because I've had friends before who've tried to come for me that I am no longer friends with. And I've been like, let me tell you about yourself. And I feel like I get this trait from my mother. Mom, if you're listening, hi. (laughs) And I'm just like, oh, why am I like this? Why am I like this? Why am I like this? (laughs) That's exactly how it feels like. So needless to say, don't come for me unless you want to be hurt with words like it happens and I won't curse at you I will literally just be like here's the things I notice I'm gonna tell you about yourself and then you're gonna feel really bad and I would be like well I tried to warn you that you shouldn't get on my bad side like there's a reason most people are on my bad side or the people that are like have become on my bad side are no longer in my life if you want to be real because <laughs> we don't go there if you feel me on that, any women of color feel me on that, like, you're not the physical altercation type. You're the type, like, I will come for you with my words and cut you deeper. Like, if you're that type, like, let me know. Because <laughs> I feel like it's just me sometimes, but I know it's not true. Because I promise you, my mom says something like, I'm so disappointed with you. Like, her yelling at me it doesn't do as much as, like, when she says, like, I'm disappointed in you. Like, I, I, I feel like the gates of, like... I was going to say this with the gates of hell like open up and like <laughs> I just feel like I'm going to the bad place because I've disappointed my mother like that's legitimately how I feel at that moment like I feel like I'm being so dramatic which yeah I'm extra so you know that happens but I just think it's so funny so yeah that's where that fried chicken thing came from but I I could not like you and she said that basically starts going through like that she's never said anything like that she's already going through this crisis with her friend and then realizing because I didn't realize this I don't want to give spoilers that 
it's not just one person that she's lost. I'll say that, and like you can figure out the rest because I'm not gonna tell you how many people she's lost. You just gonna figure it out. And I'm like, are you serious? I'm like, she's been through enough already, and like, and she's already struggling with this identity crisis because I've never identified with a character more because she basically talks about how she has two versions of her she has the one that's like in the community like everybody knows like who her father is like she hangs out with her cousins like she's really family oriented she's super laid back all about her shoes and kicks like all that stuff and then she has the other version of her which is more if you want to be technical like white friendly she never says it like that but that's how I feel like we're she's trying to hide things but she's basically trying to hide it because she doesn't want them to tell her that she's ghetto like she does everything in her power to make sure that people she doesn't give anybody a reason to call her that and it's not that she's I wouldn't say that it's that she's ashamed of like being black but I think it's that because being black is like people automatically are like oh you're so ghetto or why aren't you like this or like try to stereotype and typecast you all the time there's that that you already have to deal with and then there's the fact that you have to deal with things like the cops and like don't make this move don't make this move don't do this don't do that and like the conversations that young like parents have to have with their children at a young age when you're black it's so different I guarantee you from the conversation that white people have with their children like it's so different like of course you tell everybody to be safe but we have like a list of be safe don't do this don't do that like an entire like inc- incredible list like I probably write a whole blog post about like the things that were talked about when I was younger that most kids probably didn't know about, which is why I am the way that I am, why I'm so conscious, why I'm so aware, why I'm always looking, like checking myself as well as checking the people around me because we're not, we're just not. So I didn't identify with her because I always felt like I was playing two roles of myself when I was growing up. I always felt like there was this role of me, like I love to dance and be that person at my family's cookout and like have fun and like I love to be in the kitchen. I'm super family oriented. Like I kind of just like let myself relax a little bit more around family. Um, like we would go out and like get on the trampoline and get dirty and like I wasn't super into shopping. Like it was such a like a tomboy like you as a black kid you're told to go out and play like your parents aren't driving you anywhere like you gotta go out and find your own fun and like be home before the lights come on are you gonna be in trouble my brother was the worst at that by the way like my mom would tell him that and I would be back and then like he wouldn't and so I'm scared that I'm gonna get in trouble because this fool's not back (laughs) I love him he's deployed right now but I'm like I like have memories of that so if if any women of color listening to this have brothers that are like that and was were that child or siblings that were that child that would not come home and the lights would be on and it would be dark and like they're not like answering when your mom is yelling out there and you'd be scared for your life because you like can you please come home because like I would like to survive the night because you and it wasn't anything bad it was just like because she was so stressed you'd be like okay I don't want to receive any backlash for you getting, like, you not being home, so could you not? <laughs> like, I don't want to be yelled at because you're not home. So don't. Do not. No. But playing these 
two roles where I feel like I have to be a certain way, I have to talk a certain way, I have to be into certain things, like certain things, like certain music, like just like all these little itty bitty things and like it tears you apart. And so you're already trying to find yourself as a young woman, as a person, like growing up as a teenager, like growing into this new role, having to go through puberty and all the normal stuff that teenagers go through, all this teen angst, all this, oh my gosh, he doesn't like me, but I like him. And this guy likes me, but I don't like him. And like, just like, and like, why didn't she like my hair or like my clothes or just all the normal stuff as a teenager and then you add on top of that oh you're a young woman so there's certain things that you can't do already like walk alone and do all this stuff without things happening I don't know if I've told the story on here on this podcast but I've been like hollered at by trucks by old white men since the age of like 12 13 like in my hometown like it on the way to middle school BT dubs like it's that kind of life so like already as a young girl, I'm getting things like that. I'm tall for my age, but like I wasn't like curvy like I am now or anything like that. So you know, yes, it's creepy. So take that and then add on. Oh, not only am I a young woman and I have to worry about dudes doing stuff like that, like old men, old white men hitting on me. Now as a young like black woman, I have to add all of the factors of being a black woman. What that means, what kind of conversations I have to have, how do I have to walk through life. And it just like stresses me out, like just thinking about it and like me thinking about having to eventually bring a child into this world when it's like this. And like when I had that kind of crisis and being like, I would never want my child to go through that same crisis. Like, good grief. Like, I love being black. I love being a black woman. Like, if you read my latest like Instagram caption at it, Sydney Ray, like I was like, like I'm being unapologetic and black. AF like I don't care I said I love my melanin I love that we're resilient and we're strong and we're powerful like I love that we're brilliant I love that we know how to make money and coin and all that stuff like I love that I love all of that I love just being who I am but it's also scary thinking about okay if I'm dealing with this now how much worse is it gonna get when I bring a child to this world and it's funny because I, I feel like like I'm owning I've been owning my black since I like started moving out um like in college still I still kind of fell off you know like I really didn't feel like my place like I had like a black roommate I had black friends like that wasn't the issue it was just that like I still felt out of place like I couldn't be cool enough for the black kids and I was like the and my friends who happened to be white, like, they would never, the ones that I had in college would never typecast me that way. But I always felt like I was a novelty at parties. Do you know that feeling? Like, it's not intentional and they're not being malicious. But because of the way they've grown up, like, they don't realize, like, what you're thinking. And so they, because you're not talking about it, they don't realize, like, where they should be like, oh, like, that should be a conversation. Like, you know. And so weird to talk about that and like think about that because I've never actually said that out loud (laughs) but like as I've gotten older I started owning my black more and more like I I date everything in this I don't care I don't care what color you are if I'm into you like cool dude I'm into you uh 
and it's funny now though because like I have open conversations about being black about what I have to go through about what I'm dealing with with my boyfriend who happens to be white but like he understands like we've had this conversation where like he's like I couldn't be a black woman he's like I couldn't be a, a, a woman let alone a black woman because he understands what I'm not understands in the way that he feels what I'm going through and like knows exactly what I go through but he understands like where I'm coming from that I'm upset about x y and z like why I'm upset like he takes the time to listen instead of jumping in and trying to give his response to everything and trying to defend certain things like he's very open that way and I love that we can have that open communication so I did the same thing with my like best friends like they were it was I made them watch Dear White People the movie before the show came out and they were like do we do that because they both happen to be white and I was like no they were like you would tell us if we did that right and I'm like oh oh my gosh yes and I did tell one of my best friends about herself she already knows what it is like I I'm not afraid to have those conversations anymore like I of course like these are with people that I know very well and I haven't like but I just wanted to create the space where we could have those open conversations like amongst ourselves and like put it out into the world like this is kind of the thought process and like things that we have to go through and this Oreo effect is like you have an identity crisis so you're already dealing with all of this growing up and then even as like a woman of color I'm sure other women of color have had to deal with this and then you top on that that people in high school this started happening in high school. I remember very vividly. I remember it was two of my friends and they were in my neighborhood and that they constantly called me an Oreo and I always laughed it off. I never fought them on it. And part of me wishes that I would have said something. A huge part of me <laughs> wishes that I would have said something. You know, like I can't go back in the past and change it. But like it honestly hurt hearing that, oh, like I'm like an uh-oh Oreo. And you're like an Oreo. And I, to be honest, I feel like other people were also calling her an Oreo. Of course, she was white, but like because she could dance because of certain things, like that's what they called her. And so she would, you know, then in turn, her people would call me an Oreo because I didn't dance like she did or didn't do the same things that she did that they perceived as black, like, and traits of being black. Like, it, and like, ate me up for so long when I like could not figure out like how am I supposed to navigate blackness in this world when like I know my family I know who I am but it's like I'm never cool enough I'm never hip enough I'm never this enough to be black like that's what kept like it kept feeling like like I felt like I had to keep playing these roles and I finally just got to the point where I was like, you know what? No, I don't. I don't have to play these roles. I don't have, this doesn't have to happen. Like, I am not an Oreo. Like, I happen to talk this way because my mom, like, raised me to speak a certain way. She made sure that, like, I, when I was explaining things, that I was using proper grammar. Like, that's all that is. Like, that doesn't mean you're white when you talk like this. Like, it means that you just were taught to speak this way like really I've I've had people you know I've had that whole you talk white thing like it drives me crazy because I'm like <laughs> really really so what what do you talk like because you obviously don't talk like me I like really want to come at their necks with that stuff <laughs> like it takes everything in me not to be like <sighs> it's funny because I've had so I've worked in call centers for like years 
And I've had people, racist AF people on the other line of the phone being like, I talked to this person earlier thinking that I am a white woman because of the way that I talk. And like, I talked to this person before and like, they were so like ghetto or whatever, like would make comments or like, oh, and they would make comments about Trump and like all this other stuff. And I am on the other line and I'm at work, so I can't say anything. So I'm just like, they do realize that I'm not white, right? Like you can't see me. Why would you just assume that I'm white? Oh, you think because I talk the way that you do that I'm white. I'm not. I just means I can go toe to toe with you if you really want to go there. But I'm at work, so I'm going to keep it professional. That is what I want to say. I, like, I've had some crazy call center experiences that I will have to tell y'all at a brunch or something, like, one day. But this, this Oreo effect, it does something to you. As a young black woman, as a young woman of color, like, you just feel. And it takes so long to heal that. Of course, the healing process is going to be different for others. I'm sorry if you can hear the geese in the background. I do not know what kind of party they're having back there, but it's loud. (laughs) Back there at this, like, lake pond thing. Um, I... I just... Like, I wish I would have had, like, a good example... But, like, watching some of your cousins get knocked up at young ages, seeing stereotypical things that you see in TV shows about how we're typecasted happen to family members and people you called friends and things like that. Like, it just tears you up. And so you're like, is that what I'm owning when I do this? And it's not true. That's not what's happening. Like, when I own my blackness, I'm owning, like, my history, you know, my ancestry, my culture like and there's nothing wrong with that I think it's just when you're not stereotypical black like what am I it's what you kind of feel like because that's always what's advertised like this stereotypical typecasted version of who we are when we're so much more diverse than that and I know people of color in general are more diverse than what you see on the television and in media and that's why we have to start creating safe spaces and you know, businesses and things that include us in creating this change and excluding white people from it. Like, they want to be on it. They're going to have to do some extra work and some extra, like, what is it, introspection? Yes, like, they, you're going to have to go inside yourself and figure this all out and how you can navigate this and be an ally to us because it's the issue. Like, if you want to be an ally to us, this is what you need to do. And I love when people, like, who maybe, like, they're like, well, I don't know what you go through, but, like, this is how I can be an ally to you. And like, they list that out. I believe it was Casey Jar who did that. And she was like, I do not know what it's like to be a woman of color. She's like, I have no idea. I'm a white woman. Like, I'm going to be real. She said, but I had to do a lot of introspection to realize like where I was messing up. And so she did like this list of like how to support women of color. And like, I'm not saying that list was perfect or that's all that people can do to support us. I'm just saying like, it was a start. Like, that's what people have to start doing. You have to start being the change. Like, if we don't start doing things to change circumstances for ourselves and then getting our allies to help us out that are in places of power to, you know, free people that should be freed. Like, this 21 Savage thing, I know he's not a woman of color, but I have to mention it because it is crazy to me that 21 Savage has been around 
in this country for as long as he's been around and now they're sitting here trying to deport him because they finally figured out where he came from and it's not because like he was doing well in music like he was doing well and then he started using his platform to speak about issues that matter and they were like oh nope we gotta find something on you because you can't stay here and that became a problem could you imagine if that was a woman of color and like the same thing had happened like she would be deported so quick I feel like I still feel like people would advocate for her especially nowadays and like try to free her and get her out but like that blew my mind and that's stuff that we're dealing with like seeing our men seeing our like people who are fathers like all these people in our lives like get deported and end up in jail and you know have to file certain things but people shouldn't have to file like I just feel like there's so much going on so much that we could talk about and I just wanted this like 30 minutes <laughs> episode to be about like this is kind of my I had an identity crisis and I feel better now and I had an identity crisis with this podcast and now I feel better and you know I wanted to watch this like during Black History Month and come back during this month because I think it's important. I think it's important that we have this conversation. I think it's important that we have a safe space like this. You know, um, I had talked to different women of color like a few years ago about a seat at the table when Solange first came out. Solange Knowles, yes, first came out with that album and like doing an event like that. And we'd all talked about it and they were talking about coordinating it. I was like, keep me in the loop. I don't know if any of those events have happened, but that's kind of like what I want for us this year. Like I want us to be able to have gatherings and to have discussions and to have different people on the podcast to have like live discussions where we're both sitting in the room and like feed it, feeling off of each other and like feeding off of each other and like just having a good time like having deeper discussions because I don't know what it's like to be Indian or to be Asian or to be Native American my great-grandmother was Native American full-blooded she was Blackfoot Indian but do I know a lot about that no and I wish I did I always even growing up black I always felt connected to my Native American roots. That was never an identity crisis for me. I always wanted to know more, but I didn't know who to ask. And that baffles me that I feel like that, but when it came to being black and how to na- navigate that, because people can't look at, I think it's that, people can't look at me and tell that I, like there's any kind of Native American blood like running through my veins. It's there, it's a little further back, but it's there. <sighs> but they look at me and immediately see that I'm black. They can't look at my name and like see my name on an application and know that I'm black. My mother made sure of that, let me tell you. And it was never that she was ashamed of being black or anything like that, but my mother made sure that like if her baby wanted to go somewhere, if her baby wanted to get jobs, like that she could get whatever she wanted. And it's not like despite her name or anything like that. Like my mom just thought my name was pretty. (laughs) But part of it was we did have this conversation about, I don't want people to look at you and look at your resume and see color. like. That is crazy to me because I think about it and I think about all the names that get turned out, all the people that get turned down because their name is something that white people see as exotic or, oh, they must be black. Oh, they must be this race because their name's a little more exotic. And you're like, wait, what? Like, you're really not going to hire somebody before you even read their resume. They may be more qualified than the white person next to them, but you're going to go hire the white man because he's a white man and you feel comfortable with that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I went there. I don't care. Uh, but yeah, I'm going to eat now because I'm starving. It feels like I've been fasting all day when I've definitely eaten today. A little sick, but 
this was an important episode and I, I wanted to get it out there. I didn't really talk too much about the Oreo effect. Like I got in depth there, but I think it's a much wider conversation because I don't want just my point of view as a black woman. I think it's do other races have this Oreo effect where you're seen as like whatever race you are on the outside, but on the inside people are like, oh, well, you're white on the inside. You're an Oreo because of how you act or because of how you dress or whatever. Like, I really want to open this conversation up. Hit me up on at It's Sick and Gray, um, on Melanin Mode on Instagram because that's the UWC's new name. Just, yeah, we're going to go there. Have a great night.